Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show that makes you sexier and happier, hopefully. If you're not getting sexier and happier from listening to the show, like I don't know what to say. You know, I would be stumped by that. I think that there's enough diversity and enough subjects that I cover that you could try something that could totally transform your life. I'm really for free, except that you've got to listen for 45, 50 minutes, something like that. So this show... Now, this show, I've already announced it so you, you know about it. You knew it was coming. This show affects so many of you. To me, it's unbelievable. My guest is going to talk about some statistics in that department as well. This show is about how sleep affects your love life, your sexuality, and your life in general. And let me tell you a little about, about my guest. His name is Kirk Parsley. He's an MD, and he's been lecturing on health, wellness, and longevity benefits of quality and sufficient sleep since 2009. In the 10 years he's been studying and the deleterious effects of inadequate or poor quality sleep, he has come to realize that sleep impacts one's overall health, disease, and mortality risk. Now, I just want to tell you, I've heard Kirk speak three times. He's influenced my life. I totally check every day on the amount of sleep I'm getting because, you know, my sex life and my longevity are completely important to me. You all know that as my listeners. So I'm going to welcome him to the show, and I want to tell you how excited I am to have him here because I think he's going to make a difference in your life. So Kirk Parsley, Doc Parsley, as they call you, Come to this show. I'm so excited. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. That's quite a that's quite a uh, lead in there. I, I hope I can live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think you can. So here we go. So first of all, tell us a little bit about your background. Like I know uh, that um, that you that you were a former Navy SEAL, and that's how you start. Your bio didn't say that, but you know, I have a little extra info on you. So isn't it being a Navy SEAL that got you interested in the sleep stuff in the first place? Uh, Sort of. So what what actually happened is I um, I dropped out of uh, I dropped out of high school and joined the military um, uh, (laughs) because I was I was I was much more into uh, uh, cars and girls than I was school. And, uh, (laughs) you know, after. After uh, four years of high school, I was I was a sophomore with a one point something GPA, and so um, I decided I wanted to go you know go do the toughest training in the world, as it was uh, sort of uh, touted as being, and so I went to become a SEAL. Uh, I did that uh, for six years, and then when um, you know it was sort of during the dry years, those the non combat years, those 1988 through 1994. And, uh, you know, it's, it was, um, kind of, it was kind of monotonous and that, you know, we just, we just trained and trained and trained and trained and there wasn't a whole lot of uh, real work to be done. Um, but it was also a young single man's, uh, game and I was becoming neither, I felt like. So I moved on, uh, went to college and then, you know, well, I got married, went to college, had some kids, decided I was going to go to medical school. And when I was applying to medical schools, I found out that the military had their own medical school. Now, I'm I'm not a real good company man, and the military is not a great fit for me personality-wise. If you you know do any of those personality tests, I'm, I'm the antithesis of what should be in the military. Um, <laughs> so, as you can imagine, I got in my my uh, fair bit of trouble my uh, while I was in the military, um, but. I uh, I went to the military's medical school because they paid me to go to medical school so I could support my family. Um, my wife wouldn't have to work while I went to medical school and all mm. that stuff. So that's a good um, deal. It was a- it was a good deal. Uh, the payback, though, is that I had to give the Navy eight years. My first eight years as a physician had to, you know, uh, be in the Navy. So, um, 
you know, it's, uh, you know, basically a, t- a two to one payoff. Um, but you know, you get paid obviously to be a doctor. So, and, and you learn a lot and I figured I'd get back to the SEAL teams and I did. Um, I got back to the SEAL teams as their physician and, um, you know, just one of the, one of the really, really common problems and probably I, I think it was the most important problem that the command was facing at the time, this is the West Coast SEAL teams, um, was that almost every single guy, I'd say like 85% of the, um, the SEALs were using sleep drugs, um, either prescription or over the counter or using alcohol as a sleep aid. And often all three of those, um, and often at two or three times the recommended dosage, they were doing all of those things uh, to sleep every single night. That's, and, that's incredible. That's an incredible... Yeah. That's an incredible factoid. Yeah, and and they were breaking down. You know, they were they were, you know, they're running into all of the problems that uh, chronic sleep deprivation um, has because you know when you use sleep drugs or even alcohol as a sleep drug, you, you know you go unconscious, but you don't really get sleep. If you look at the architecture of sleep, if, you know, if we did a sleep study on you, you don't have all the normal stages of sleep, so you don't really get the full benefit of sleep. So it starts interfering with everything. You know, and to the point of your show, of course, it interferes with relationships, you know, hugely. Um, and, and it, you know, it interferes with libido, you know, sex drive and, and, you know, erectile dysfunction and all that other stuff because of the hormonal shifts that go on when you're sleep deprived and, um, you know, the stress hormones that increase when you're sleep deprived. So, and um, just, just to be clear with people listening, what are some of the, like, you just definitely outlined the relationship effects, but what are some of the other effects? Well, you know, really, you know, what I tell people, and honestly, when I started all this, you know, what I what I was finding in the seals when I I would just do these full panels on them because I really didn't know what was going on with them when they came to tell me their problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were saying, you know, I have the, you know, I have some motivation issues, and of course, they're seals, so you know, that's relative. You know, they're they're still coming in and working hard every day, but they just don't feel like working hard every day. You know, it's harder for them to motivate themselves. Um, having a lot of memory issues, uh, you know, a lot of that, um, sensation of people's, you know, that say they walk in a room and they forget why they're there and then they leave and then they remember why they're, why they went in the room and then they go back in the room and then they forget why they're there again. Oh my God. All these types of things. And, you know, they would say to me, well, maybe, you know, maybe I'm just getting old and I'll be like, you know, you're 38 years old. I don't, <laughs> I don't think anyone considers that old. You should be having, uh, you know, cognitive decline at that age. Um, and then, you know, emotionality, you know, whether it's uh, the ability to control their anger or, you know, just become, you know, just flip flopping between sort of a really low, depressed sort of mood to a high to a anger to, you know, sad, just kind of you know, what we call emotional ability, which just means you flip flop around very easily. Um, body composition shifts, obviously. So like increased body fat, decrease uh, muscle, worse physical performance, um, you know, lower pain threshold. It's just everything seems to be harder. So it's what we call perceived effort. And we know that all this stuff happens with uh, sleep deprivation. We know you know, if you, you know, let's say you're an eight hour a night sleeper, if you sleep six hours instead of eight hours, just just once, just one time, the very next day, your testosterone is 30 to 40 percent lower. Your insulin sensitivity is 30 to 40 percent lower. Your growth hormone is 30 to 40 percent lower. All sorts of neurochemistry is shifted in your brain. Your stress hormones are 30 to 40 percent higher. Um, and that just essentially changes who you are and it changes how other people perceive you. It changes how you communicate. It changes how impact. Think you are it changes you know everything about you um, is, and then you you add all those up you know how many people sleep six hours a night every night you know you start adding all those up and it just gets worse and worse and worse the more days you string together there are people that i know who sleep three to five hours a night as a normal i don't think normal is the wrong word as their usual. regular <laughs> sleep diet yeah yeah and i don't think that's normal after i met you like I started realizing that I've become m- way better at sleeping, way better at cutting off my activities, et cetera, and not party hardying all night for the past nine years, probably. And that I felt so good after I saw you. I went, yeah, yeah, I sleep seven and a half to eight hours a night. Yay. And what did, what did you change primarily? 
Well, I can't, you know, I moved to Phoenix and I joined a community that's into <laughs> longevity and health. So, oh, I got you. Yeah, so I stopped stressing. I mean, first of all, I just leaving New York City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that'll lower your stress by about 50% right yeah, there. Yeah, I stopped stressing and I made a bargain with <laughs> myself, you know, or a, an agreement. I hear you coughing. I know you told me before the show that you're getting over the flu, so. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to stop anything because. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I tried to push the mute button. I guess it didn't work. I totally right, appreciate it. I'm better it. now. I totally appreciate that you're doing the show with me anyway. So I want everyone to know that you're just recovering from the flu and also that you're not the kind of person who normally would even get the flu. Yeah. Never trust a sick doctor. <laughs> um, or a skinny chef. <laughs> but I want to say to you that, uh. I made a pact with myself that I would uh, resign from being a workaholic, that I would leave parties by midnight, no matter what was going on. You know, unless I'm in Jamaica, that's it, pretty much. But otherwise, I would leave parties by midnight, and that I that nothing was more important than my health. You know, that I would cut off work way earlier, and that if anything was stressing me, I would deal with that before sitting down at my desk or whatever. I would swim in my pool or go to the gym or, or do emotional release techniques to work it out. So I, I changed my priorities. It's not that I didn't do those things before, but they would come last after I got through my work, like they were the reward. Now, they are what I do first. They're way more important than my priorities to me, exercising, resting, and doing emotional release than my work. I'm so glad to hear you say that. You, you made my point for me. <laughs> one, <laughs> one, of the, one of the biggest, one of the hardest things for me to do is convince people that they need to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or how much they need to sleep. Once I convince people of that, though, they almost never need my help again. <laughs> you know, there's, I have all sorts of, you know, techniques and I've written all sorts of stuff about, um, you know, ways to get yourself to sleep better. And there's all these gadgets you can use and there's all these, you know, behaviors you can engage in and sleep hygiene and, you know, lots of other things that people have probably heard of. But the fact of the matter is, if you make sleep a priority, you'll get better at it. Like that's just all there is to it. Um, you know, if you, if you make it a priority, you measure it, you'll get better at it. Um, you know, we had a saying in the SEAL teams, um, every time, you know, they would tell you to do something that seemed like it was impossible. They'd say, you know, if I gave you a million dollars when this is, you know, in the eighties when a million dollars was money, um, (laughs) you know, they'd say, if I gave you a million dollars, would you be able to do it? And like, yeah, I could do it if I had a million dollars. And you can do it without a million dollars. That's great. and I do the same thing with sleep. So if, if people believe it, people believe the need and they're willing to, you know, just experiment and like give it a, give it a solid week, really try sleeping for a week, make it your number one priority for a week and see if you don't, you know, look and feel and perform better, you know? Well, let's uh, take a little break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about some of those techniques and then we'll go over some more of the numbers because the last time I saw, the last time I saw you, you gave a very, or maybe the time before, you gave a great example about going into a surgery with, if a doctor was drinking or if a doctor had just come off the last shift. And I, I, to me, that was really poignant. So I'm giving you a, a cue for when we lead in to the next segment, everybody, you're going to want to be at the edge of your chair when you hear this, when you hear this comparison. So if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handler, your host. I'm talking with Dr. Kirk Parsley. He's wonderful. He really is wonderful. He's wonderful in person. He's doing great on the show, flu or no flu. Stay tuned because you want to hear the rest of this. Sleep is so easy to change if you would just pay attention. We'll be right back. My question for people right now is if you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response, or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this, because many women say that their feelings of desire, arousal, and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like. So I want to tell you about Zestra, because Zestra was developed to meet this much-needed 
option for women. Uh, Zestra safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and is created to help women have increased sexual sensations. Zestra comes in convenient single-dose personal packets. Each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about 10 minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush. And that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So, I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So, if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want, please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handler's on the Sex and Happiness Show. Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life? Get the best from relationships? Attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown, take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. You'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. You'll let go of blame and struggle. Doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life, physically, emotionally, and spiritually with Sex and Happiness by Lori Handlers. Only $19.99 paperback and $14.99 ebook. Order your copy today by going to ButterflyWorkshops.com. That's ButterflyWorkshops.com for your copy of Sex and Happiness. I want to talk to you about the craziest and most inventive sex toy or sex enhancement that I've come upon in a long time. It's called Love Rider, L-U-V-R-Y-D-R. That's L-U-V-R-Y-D-R, Love Rider. So I know the couple that invented it. They never intended to invent it. They stumbled upon it. And isn't that how most things go in life? The subtitle to Love Rider is Grab the Bar and Ride Your Lover Wild. And I want to tell you that I've had multiple experiences with Love Rider. I've taken it all around the world and I've had lovers experience it. I've given it to them overnight and told them to come back and tell me their experience with it. And every one of them comes back with a raving report. It's a harness that the person receiving puts around their shoulders, either forwards or backwards, whatever. It depends on what position you want to use a love rider in. And the person who's giving, the penetrator, takes the handlebar like they're riding a horse and they lean back and they get amazing angles of penetration from using this device. It's hard to describe, but I want to encourage you to go there and look it up. Listen, my lover gave it a five and a half stars out of five. That's all I got to say. So go to loverider.com and look for this beautiful invention. And you can use my name if you call them, or you can use my code Butterfly Workshops, letting them know that you heard about Love Rider through me. That's loverider.com. L-U-V-R-Y-D-R. You're listening to Sex and Happiness, and I'm Laurie Handlers. I'm interviewing Dr. Kirk Parsley, and he is a sleep expert. And uh, he's an MD who has studied sleep and does remedies for sleep and helps people learn to sleep and tries to convince people how important sleep is. And that's probably the biggest thing. The biggest resistance probably is that people think it's something else or they need something else. So let me just tell you, Kirk, you know, that I have a sound machine that I play the ocean sound on. That's my technique. The reason I got this machine is because the people next door had four dogs. And those Mm. dogs would keep me up at night. 
and those dogs would wake me up in the morning. And it would piss me off. Like I'd be, it would be five o'clock in the morning, and I'd be, my alarm clock would be their friggin' dogs, you know. So right, I talked to them four times. They were just, you know, I said the problem here is not your dogs. The problem here is you. You know, right. I love dogs. It's you I don't love. You, you, <laughs> you know, these dogs are untrained, and why should they be my alarm clock? And Phoenix has a law about that, but I, I didn't know like they. These people could have been wacky. So I got scared to really call the authorities on them. So I went out and for 10 or 20 bucks, I bought myself a sound machine and I play it at like the minute I put it on and it makes the ocean sound, I go right to sleep. Good. <laughs> so that's my. Yeah, that's, whatever it takes. I mean, that, um, you know, that that's classified as is something we call a, um, in sleep science as, as white noise. Right. Um, and you know, it, it can be a babbling brook or, you know, whatever sounds of the Amazon rainforest. I don't know it, it whatever it is. Um, but you know, wh what will, uh, interfere with your sleep is, um, unpredictable sounds. Um, and so when you're, you know, when they're novel or unpredictable, uh, those, you know, those tend to wake you up, but when you're listening to a sound that's predictable, and, you know, and, and it's usual, it's common for you, it's, uh, it's not a novel sound, um, it, it oftentimes is, uh, allows people to think about something other than, you know, the 347 mistakes they made in the last 24 hours, um, <laughs> which, which is really common, um, it's especially, you know, sort of with, um, you know, the, the frenetic, uh, you know, working mom, you know, who's running around, you know, you know, keeping a home, getting kids, you know, to events and, uh, you know, doing a job, or whatever. And the first time she usually has to herself is when she lays down in bed at night. And that's the first time it's been quiet all day. It's the first time that, you know, she's not responding to somebody else's demand. It's the first time she actually focuses on herself and voila, you know, <laughs> all the self-criticism and all the self-judgment, uh, pops into their heads right. and they just start spinning out in circles and they can't go to sleep for a couple hours and they're worried about not sleeping and, then they can't sleep because they're worried that they can't sleep. And that's something we call psychophysiologic uh, insomnia. Um, you know, it's just insomnia caused because you're afraid that you're not going to be able to sleep. So that raises your stress hormones enough to keep you from not sleeping. So Been uh, there, done that. Yeah. I got yeah. it. You know, yeah. they had a thing. They had a cover. In 2004, there was a cover of Newsweek magazine uh, where they showed a couple. One person had a laptop on their lap in bed. And the other person had the had the uh, remote, right? And they called them dins, double income, no sex couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the double income has really worked out well, hasn't it? I mean, all, it, all we did was double the price of everything. <laughs> And now there's and nobody. Less sex. There's, there's less sex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now now both people are equally angry and uh, frustrated and tired. And, <laughs> yeah. So uh, tell tell us the the, the um, your analogy about the doctors. I to me like to me that was like the selling point to like listen to every single word you said. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's actually uh, a, a bit that I. Um, I think the, probably that was only the second time I'd ever said it when you heard it. Um, I, I, I came up with that for my TED talk. Uh, it was just a few years old now, like two, uh, I think three years old now. Um, but, uh, you know, but basically a lot of sleep research has gone into comparing your performance. And by performance, I mean anything you measure yourself by. It can be, you know, how well you connect emotionally with other people. It can be your strength, your endurance, your cognitive problem solving speed, your memory, your coordination, balance. It doesn't matter. Any kind of performance metric you want. Um, and they try to correlate that to, um, your, you know, they, they compare it to, uh, being inebriated, you know, or you're, you know, taking an alcohol, blood alcohol level. So, uh, you know, one of the stats out there is that if, um, if somebody is awake for 17 consecutive hours, they're performing as a, you know, they're performing on par with somebody with a blood alcohol level of 0 0.05, which is under the legal limit in most all of America or maybe all of America, but some countries that is sort of the legal limit. So it's definitely impaired. Once you've been up for 24 hours, 
um, you know, you're you're running around, you know, you're operating as though you've been, you know, as though you're legally drunk. You're somewhere around 0.08 to 0.1 blood alcohol level would be on par with being awake at 24 hours and any performance metric now. And that, you know, that includes cognition. So my metaphor was, you know, the, we accept that all the time. And a lot of people say, well, I don't stay up for 24 hours. But if you sleep, as we were talking about earlier, if you sleep six hours a night for 11 nights in a row, you perform exactly as though you haven't slept for 24 hours. So you're performing like you're drunk. You stretch that out to 22 days of sleeping six hours a night, 22 consecutive nights of six hours of sleep. You perform as though you've been awake for two days, which is like a completely drunk point, you know, point two blood alcohol level, like really drunk, like your performance is horrible. Um, and so the metaphor that I give is, you know, if you went into your doctor's, uh, you know, if you went into, if you're going uh, to have surgery and the surgeon came up and introduced himself to you and gave you some paperwork and while you're looking over the paperwork, he took a shot of whiskey, you know, and put it, you know, put his glass back in his pocket, um, we'd all be freaked out, right? None of us would want to, none of us would want that guy to do surgery on us. And, you know, even if he explained, well, you know, I only do one shot every two hours and <laughs> yeah. for a man my size, that'll never result in a blood alcohol level of, a bo- of above 0.05, which is under the legal limit. So you don't have anything to worry about. And we'd say, how with that? Or if it were a pilot or if we saw a police officer on duty doing that or any of that stuff, we would say that's insane. But we accept it all the time with sleep. And, and it's not controversial. I mean, there, it's not like there's some science that says that's true and there's some science that says it's not true, like a lot of the scientific um, information out there. It's 100%. Every single study they do shows the same performance decrements. And, you know, there's some variation. Not everybody slides off at exactly the same rate, but that's, you know, that's the average. And that kind of drunkenness, if it were true drunkenness, uh, would also result in poor sexual performance as well. Absolutely. So if it's every day like that, and if it's every day sleep, sleep deprivation, you know, now since I know you, like when I look at pilots who people think are pretty sexy, and when I look at uh, flight attendants, and when I look at people who are nursing and medical shifts, and people who do the midnight shift on uh, tech support, I look at them all and I go, they must be terrible in bed. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it, it does, it does, uh, you know, it doubles, it doubles your, um, your rate of, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I, I'm blanking on the phrase, but, you know, basically, you know, erectile dysfunction for men and, um, you know, just non, non-pleasant, uh, you know, anti, non-orgasmic sex for women. It, it doubles with, um, just a few nights of sleep deprivation. Uh, and sex drive goes down, like I said, 30 to 40% in a single, in a single night of short sleep. So, uh, obviously if the, if the desire isn't there, then, then it's not going to be as good. Yeah. I can see how all these factors, I mean, just the cortisol levels alone of yeah. having, you know, of, of being so stressed by right. not resting can just, it could ruin. I mean, that's the thing that ruins libido as far as I'm concerned for the most part. And yeah, that could that, be I stressed mean, about so, sleep or about sex. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's, so, that's excess sympathetic tone. You know, the autonomic nervous system is balanced between sympathetics and parasympathetics and autonomics just means automatic. It's controlling everything in your body without you thinking about it. So it's controlling your respiration and your heart rate and your blood pressure and, you know, digestion and all that stuff is being controlled by your autonomics. And when you're in sympathetic, we know that is the fight or flight pathway, right? So when you're maximally sympathetic, that's when you're, you know, fighting or fleeing. That's when you've seen a tiger or, you know, somebody shooting a gun at you. You're, you're in a car wreck or near car wreck. That's fight or flight. And everybody knows what that feels like. The opposite of that is deep sleep, stages three and four of sleep. Um, which is maximal parasympathetic, and that's when your body is repairing and restoring itself uh, to the maximum. Uh, but you know, one of the one of the ways we memorized in medical school for uh, for men is that you know parasympathetic is P, uh, so and then sympathetic is an S, so you point and shoot. Um, so the erection comes from parasympathetic. That's the pointing, and then shooting is you know ejaculating is is sympathetically uh, dominated, but. Um, it, it's the same for it's the same for women. So you know you have to be parasympathetic. You have to be in that sort of relaxed state to be able to be aroused. Um, 
And if, you know, if you're, if you're sleep deprived, you're just not because your stress hormones are higher. So you're just not as, you know, as in a relaxed state. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that's, you know, obviously huge, uh, more important for women, but it, you know, it's, it's very important for men as well, you know, is just, you know, sort of that, you know, that emotional connection and, and the, you know, the belief that your, that your partner actually desires you and that you want, you know, that, you know, this is consensual and you both want to do it and you're not, you know, sort of, uh, you know, forcing it on, on one another. Um, you know, they've done studies where they, they take couples and they sleep deprive one of them or in, and by that, I just mean they short sleep them. So instead of both of them sleeping eight hours a night, one of them sleeps eight hours and one of them sleeps six hours. And then they let them spend the whole day together and they, you know, take care of their, you know, somebody takes care of their kids and their, you know, whatever, like they don't have any responsibilities. They just get to go hang around, you know, hotel or pool or spa or the beach or do whatever they want to do. Just hang out and be present and be with each other. It's all paid for by the researchers. And then at the end of the day, they take the couples into two separate rooms and they have them evaluate their partner for the day. And it doesn't matter which one you sleep deprive. They will both say that the other one wasn't quite there, wasn't quite as present as he or she usually is, wasn't, you know, didn't connect quite as well, wasn't as communicative, you know, all, you know, all of the same, all of sort of the things that give us the, you know, the signals that our, you know, that our spouse or our, our partner is really, you know, into us and really wants to be with us. Um, that's, you know, all of, all of that is demuted and all of that is, is impaired by just a single night of short sleep. That's amazing. And, that's an amazing it, piece of, of information because that's like us, we could be sensing that our partner is just off. Right. And we don't and it, know what it is. They, 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 they have interest in another woman. They have interest in another man. There's, right. there, uh, Something's happening and, at their job, blah, blah, blah. But all we're talking about here is simply sleep. Yeah, and it could be our sleep deprivation that's making us feel that way about them, or it could be their sleep deprivation that's making us feel that way about them. <laughs> we don't know. It's a double-edged so, sword. So it, it's, it's a pretty interesting – that's a pretty interesting study, and it's, it's been done several times. But I, I, I quote that one a lot in my lectures. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, we're going to need to take another little break here. Okay. And, um, when we come back, I want to talk about, again, you know, some things people can do to remedy this. And also the notion that good sex actually increases good sleep. You Absolutely. Know, if, if we Absolutely. can look at that, too. So um, and then, of course, I want people to know how to get in touch with you. So we're coming right back. This is Laurie Handlers. Please stay tuned to the Sex and Happiness Show because we're going to hear more information from Dr. Kirk Parsley. And this is really, as, as I'm, I keep saying to you, as he keeps saying to you, this is not that difficult for you to remedy if you just, you know, kind of put your, make a choice about it, put your mind to it. So we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and I want to talk to you today about an Eastern European tour where I'm going to be teaching Tantra all along the way of the tour. Now, many of you know that I did Tantra Tourists, a film where I took people to India and I taught Tantra on the bus and at the Taj Mahal and all these places. So now I'm bringing people to Eastern Europe. And my tour is 14 nights, 15 days at four-star hotels, and it's land only. And uh, the cities we're going to hit are Prague, Budapest, Rovinge, Zadar, Wien, Zagreb, Split, Dubrovnik. And I'm very excited about it. The only place I've been of all those places is Dubrovnik long ago. So if you've never been to Eastern Europe, and you'd like to see those places, you'd like to start in Prague and end in Dubrovnik and learn Tantra along the way, I welcome you to come and join me. You can be a couple or you can be a single. It really doesn't matter. All meals are included. All hotels are included. And it's going to be exciting for me because I've never been there. And I know that it'll be exciting for you too. You'll be able to learn as you tour. So to find out more, you need to go to this website, sacredsensualgetaways.com. That's sacredsensualgetaways.com. And click on Meet the Instructors, click on Laurie Handlers, and come with me. The tour that I'm talking about starts on June 16th and goes to June 29th. Perfect time for Europe. 
So join me. I look forward to hearing from you. You can write to me, by the way, for more information at laurie at butterflyworkshops.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E at butterflyworkshops.com to find out more about the stores. Please join me in Eastern Europe. It's going to be great. We're back with Sex and Happiness, and I'm Laurie Handler, your host, and I'm really, I'm enjoying this show because this is something that's literally, sleep doesn't cost you to do it. It costs you to not do it. (laughs) It costs everything about your health, your stress, your relationships so much, and it could be so simple as just like choosing to shift some pattern that you have or to make a choice about some some way. I, I know because I used to be a person who regularly didn't sleep, stressed out when I wasn't sleeping, freaked out that I wouldn't sleep and what I had to do the next day. All the things that Kirk described earlier in the show, I was that person. And I lived in New York. Everything was noisy. Everything was crazy. And I just didn't know what to do. The first choice I made was to decide to get up. Like if I wasn't sleeping instead of laying there and stressing, I got up and read a book or started writing. You know, that was the first choice. The second choice was to stop all that stress and all that craziness and get a sound machine. So I changed my life because I wanted to. He's giving statistics now that I didn't even know, and I know it's so important because I'm a sex expert. So, Kirk, tell us a little bit about what some people can do and also how great sex affects sleep. Okay. Um, well, uh, like I said, once people prioritize it, it's it's really easy. You know, just go get your, you know, pull your computer out and get your Google shovel out and just, you can just start digging through all sorts of information, um, on, you know, sleep, sleep hacks as people call them. I don't, I don't like to use that phrase, but, um, you know, and there's all sorts of wearable devices now to track your sleep, you know, because it, it does matter if, uh, you know, if you want to get better at something, you should measure it. Um, but you can also measure it just by writing in a journal as well. So, you know, the first thing is obviously to prioritize it and, you know, convince yourself that you actually need it and then set up a, a plan and you say, okay, well, if it's my priority, if it were my number one priority, what would I do? If I'm going to build my life around sleep, what would I do? And, you know, if you just start out with that premise and, and, uh, you know, you, this isn't something that you have to do a hundred percent every single day, but, you know, the, the more focused you are on, uh, on it, the, you know, the more common, you know, the, the better the results will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about, um, sleep hygiene, uh, you'll hear a lot of people use that phrase. Basically all we're, all we're saying is that, um, we need, we need a time, we need a certain amount of time for our brain to get ready for sleep. Now, if you've ever had kids or if you've ever been a kid, you'll know this is true, right? You, there's a protracted period of getting a, a toddler ready for bed. You don't just, you know, snatch them up from the middle of their playtime and just put them in bed and turn off the light and walk out. We know that wouldn't work, but for some reason we think that it'll work as an adult. <laughs> um, but, you know, we evolved to use the sun as our cues of when to be awake and when to be asleep. And once the sun went down, decreases the amount of blue light that goes in our eyes. That's why there's so many blue blocking devices, blue light blocking devices that people use for to help with their sleep. But, you know, what evolutionarily happened is the sun went down about three hours later. There were enough chemical changes in our brain to make us feel like going to sleep. Um, and one of those chemical changes is melatonin, which a lot of people have heard of. And that it's a hormone that reduces the stress hormones in our brain and reduces the effects of the stress hormones in our brain. And then another one is a is a neuropeptide called GABA. And what GABA does is kind of slow down the neocortex. And it that's the big wrinkly part of our brain that people think of when they think of the human brain. And that what that really does is make us less aware of our environment. And in fact, that's all really that's all sleep really is. is There's a barrier between you and your environment and you can be awakened and there's predictable neuronal patterns going on. Like that's our best definition of sleep. Um, It's not a very obvious thing. Um, so as long as you're, uh, doing something to decrease your awareness of the environment. So, you know, I tell people all the time, 
you can block all the blue light going in your eyes with glasses and, you know, programs on your computers and gadgets. And, you know, there's light bulbs now that have no blue light in them. They're like 40 bucks a piece. And, you know, um, you can do all these types of things. But if you don't decrease your stimulation, if you don't decrease how much you're interacting with the environment, you know, which is why you never feel tired when you're, you know, at a, at a bar or at happy hour or something like that. It's because there's a lots of stimulation around. If you don't decrease that stimulation, you're not going to be able to sleep well. So, you know, if you block all the blue light, but then work on your computer till 9.59 and go get in bed at 10 o'clock and expect to fall asleep by 10.15, you're probably going to be in for a big surprise, you know, um, because your brain is still going. So, all we're really saying is decrease the amount of light going into your eyes and decrease the amount of stimulation going to your brain for as long as you can before bed. Um, for most people, a reasonable time period is about an hour. So I tell people set an alarm clock an hour before bedtime. Um, so you have an alarm clock to tell you when it's time to get ready to go to bed and you have a, an alarm clock to tell you when it's time to get ready to get up and go to work or do your job. And they're equally as important. Um, and you don't ignore the nighttime one any more than you ignore the morning one. So one rule of thumb I tell people is if you wouldn't be willing to get up an hour early to do it, you shouldn't stay up an hour later to do it. So if, you know, how many people would wake up an hour early to watch one more episode of their favorite television show? Almost nobody, but how many people will stay up an hour late to watch one more episode? You know, the vast majority of people. So it's really that simple. Um, and then the, you know, the sex component, you know, there, there's a lot of chemical changes that go on, uh, with sex and especially, you know, sex with orgasm. There's a lot of chemical changes. Um, you know, one of, one of the most obvious ones is, is oxytocin. Um, there's, uh, you, you know, there's a, a, a postulate that, you know, oxytocin is supposed to make you supposed to make you feel sleepy, uh, at least, you know, makes the man feel sleepy. And, and the, the theory is that, you know, because the the concept behind sex is procreation, you don't you know, you don't want to be mucking around, uh, you know, with the possibility of, uh, of pregnancy, you know, of, of actually, you know, causing pregnancy by, uh, you know, continuing, continuing to fool around after you've uh, had an orgasm. Um, I think women have evolved so where oxytocin makes them want to talk though. Um, so <laughs> they, they want to get really chatty after, after sex and men are, you know, men are the opposite, but, um, you know, what, what, obviously what, what the woman wants, I'm, I'm just kidding. Obviously what the woman wants is just to feel, you know, to, to feel the bond and feel the connection and you know and express that a little because women have to get all everything they got to get all the shit out of their head before they can go to sleep right. um, and that's one of the things right. they got to get out of their head is you know they got to share the emotion of that experience and and then once they do that you know, you know the, the chemical changes in their brain will, will enhance their sleep as well this is great this is this is just great what about um i don't know i have never asked you this but Maybe someone did once. I don't remember. What about medical marijuana, like um, the kind that makes people sleepy? Is that something that people could look to? I mean, I'm just saying, I, I, rather than taking those sleep things, if people live in a state where it's legal, is that a good sleep inducer or or what? Well, it, that's it, a good it, sex inducer. Yeah, it, it's um, I, you know I've heard that, but it, it's not it's not for me. I can tell you that. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, as far as a sleep drug, if you're using and you know I use the word drug loosely there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but it's, you know, as far as a, as a sleep drug or sleep aid, it's it distort it, it distorts the sleep architecture uh, a lot less than most prescription drugs. Um, and probably a little, you know, well, definitely a little bit less than alcohol would. Um, it does have some impact on, on, uh, you know, the normal sleep phases, but, you know, it's better than a lot of things out there. Tell um, us about your sleep remedy. What is in your, what, what, what are there herbs in your sleep remedy? No, so the the pathway that I kind of uh, breezed over, you know, when the sun goes down and the blue light decreases in your eyes, a bunch of chemical changes happen in your brain, and that produces uh, melatonin. But you know, the, the, what you're turning into melatonin is something called uh, tryptophan, which you know people know. If it, you know, eat, if you eat a bunch of turkey, you feel like taking a nap. Mm -hmm. um, that's because there's a lot of tryptophan in there, and tryptophan becomes 5-hydroxytryptophan, and 5-hydroxytryptophan becomes serotonin, and serotonin becomes melatonin. And in order for all that to happen, you have to have 
uh, vitamin D3 and magnesium in there. Um, and so that's, that's what's in my supplement. I don't put serotonin in there, but everything else I just mentioned is in my supplement. And what it's meant to do is kind of condense that period. Since we are usually spending three hours getting ready for bed, we're usually spending, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Um, and then that GABA that I talked about, which actually, you know, increases the barrier between you and your environment, um, you know, makes you less aware of your environment. That's what GABA does. It kind of slows down the neocortex. Um, so that's all that's in my product. And I, I came up with that, you know, to get the seals off of their sleep drugs because you can't just, you know, if somebody's taking a prescription sleep aid because they can't sleep. You can't just take away their pills and say, suck it up, buttercup, you know, <laughs> they just, they won't sleep. So they have to, you know, they, they, you have to do something. So I came up with really, I mean, all the supplements really came on piecemeal. They all came one at a time. I started with vitamin D3, I added magnesium, then I added tryptophan, then I added 5-HTP, then I added a really light dose of uh, melatonin, and then I added GABA. Um, and, you know, I, you know, the SEALs were great patients. They would do exactly what I asked them to do. They'd report back to me on a regular basis. And together we just kind of figured out, um, you know, you know, what were the, what was the appropriate dosage of all that stuff? And, um, and then the seals just got really tired of having to go to three different stores to buy all these different you know, pills and powders and liquids. And, uh, they wanted, you know, they just kept haranguing me to make a product out of it. And so I finally made a product out of it. Um, and that was really the intent of it. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, spent up about 18 months of my life uh, figuring out how to make a product and how to you know build a supplement business and I did that and I've largely handed that over now um, so that I can get back to what I really like to do which is you know the education and information part uh, part of it and working with uh, clients and patients. So this is great. So it's great to know about the supplement and also that it's not making you stressed. Um, but it's great that you invented it. It really, really is and. I've given packets of your supplement to various of my friends who don't sleep well. I don't need it myself, but I have it on hand just in case I would ever have one of those nights again. Um, what? How can people get in touch with you? How can people like call you or make an appointment with you uh, if they want to get in touch with you? And how can they get your supplement? And do they have to see you in person? Um. The easiest way to do all of those things is just to go to my website, docparsley.com, D-O-C-P-A-R-S-L-E-Y.com. Docparsley.com has the supplement on it. Um, It has, uh, you know, contact details. It has information about, um, you know, becoming a client, becoming a patient, requesting a lecture, requesting a podcast, kind of all all of those types of things are on the website. All right. That's great to know. So I'm just going to repeat it. It's docparsley.com, D-O-C-P-A-R-S-L-E-Y.com. And uh, if you're listening to this show today and you heard something that would make a difference to you, I'm urging you to take on uh, the challenge of making a choice to, to get good sleep and... Uh, and, and making the changes in your life that he suggested. And if you can't do it on your own, then get in touch with him. Like, he's not kidding about it. It's it's serious, and it's really not complicated. It's not something like you have to make this huge choice about. It's just this is affecting your life, and you want to do something about it. And it's definitely affecting your sex, and so I want to do something about it. And it's affecting your happiness, so I want to do something about it. It's critical. It's key. It really is. Dr. Kirk Parsley, last question. I didn't ask you anything about this, but that thing that people use CPAP machines for? Um, Obstructive sleep apnea. Yeah. T- did, are, are you into that at all? Is that, Do you know about that? I mean, you're a sleep guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, I, I'm quite familiar with it. I I know quite a bit about it. Um, I'm, so I'm not a sleep specialist, which means I don't, I don't do sleep studies. Um, I send patients out to get sleep studies done. Uh, CPAP, uh, is, is a medical device that's given for a disease. So it ruins your sex life when you put that mask on your face. It it is an all natural birth control right there. (laughs) Um, you know, If, 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 if you can be sexy with a CPAP, you've got some serious mojo going on. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, uh, obstructive sleep apnea is a real thing. Um, you know, it, it really just means that people quit breathing when they're when they're sleeping, and then that leads to a lot of chemical changes in the body, which makes their sleep sort of non-restorative and non-refreshing. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the times, people are only apneic on their back, and so it's a really simple thing. I tell people, you know, go go to a Hanes T-shirt that has the pocket on it, and you cut that pocket off and put it right in the middle of your back between your shoulder blades and sew a tennis ball into that. Um, you know, wear that T-shirt to bed for a month, and you and you won't sleep on your back anymore. And if you're not apneic on your back, you're a lot better off sleeping on your side than you you know than wearing a CPAP. Um, losing weight also helps. Exercising also helps, but just getting regular sleep helps as well. Uh, we know anybody who has chronic uh, sleep deprivation um, has a higher, they have a higher incidence of, uh, of, of obstructive sleep apnea. So if you look at first responders and law enforcement and, you know, people that do night shifts, uh, nurses and doctors and all those people, they all have a higher incidence of, uh, of obstructive sleep apnea. And the highest incident of any industry in, in the world is, probably the most chaotic sleepers in the world um, is truck drivers, long, long haul truck drivers. They have an incident of, of obstructive sleep apnea that's about 10 times higher than the average population. But, you know, military and law enforcement and shift workers and all that, they have about five times as much as the average person. So wow. I'm glad um, I asked you that. It just came to me in the middle of the show because I know a lot of people that suffer from that. And, um, you know, that's just another thing. It's just, but I know those, I mean, I've seen people with that mask on and I know it, you know, it's not yeah. sexy. It isn't sexy. It's not the same no. thing as a garter belt, <laughs> you know, no. or, <laughs> or anything no. else that's sexy. That is unsexy. So it's anti-sexy for yeah, sure. Exactly. Well, yeah. I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It's, it's great to hear your information. It's uh, it's important to hear your information, and I'm I'm a real fan, so I really well, want to thank you. Yeah, so everybody go to docparsley.com to find out more about your sleeping, what you can do, and to find out how to get in touch with Doc Parsley if this is important to you. This should be important to you. Like, don't underestimate it. Please don't underestimate it. I will be coming back to you with in the next few times with a guest who just wrote a book about men getting their balls back and getting sexier and a woman who's making aphrodisiac oils and a couple of other good guest surprises coming your way. So remember to tune in to Sex and Happiness to get sexier and happier. Thank you, Doc Parsley. Thank you so very much for being on my show. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Yes. And everybody... I'm signing off now for Sex and Happiness. Tune in next time. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh,